Amen. It's the last Sunday of 2019, which means 2020 is right around the corner. If you were to uh, Google top 10 resolutions, I don't know if you're a person who makes resolutions, anyone here make resolutions? They say 80% of people in America make New Year's resolutions. 3% of them actually follow through on resolutions. So it's something we kinda every year, I don't know if you like this season, this space in between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I, I personally love it. Uh, I try to take time off uh, every year this time just to kind of reflect, to think back over everything God has done and what he's accomplished, what he's taught me, those hard lessons, those encouraging moments, and also to kind of project and, and dream into the new year of what he has yet to do and what he wants to do. And, and so maybe you are a person who makes resolutions. Tonight, I, I wonder, well, here's the top 10 resolutions. We'll just kind of see those. This exercise more, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, okay, whatever. Um, just, you know, save more money, spend less money. Just, if that's you, uh, Financial Peace University coming. Okay, so anyway, uh, spend more time with family and friends, travel more, read more. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, I like to read, but I'm actually challenging myself this year to read more, and so that's kind of one of those resolutions that I'm kind of owning, and you might have something that's not on this list that you want to own, but here's where I want to encourage all of us to consider tonight is that maybe instead of a list of resolutions, uh, what if we just kind of focused on, on three things? And so that just kind of as we end this year and kind of launch into a new year, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time. It's a shorter message. You're welcome. Uh, and uh, we just want to kind of encourage you to maybe think about uh, a couple different things. So three things, just this idea of one mission, one word, and one practice. So that's where we're going, so you can kind of keep up. One mission, one word, one practice. One mission is that we stay focused around the mission that Jesus has given us. It's so easy in our chaotic, cluttered culture to want to elevate non-essential things to primary things. It's so easy in our cluttered culture to, to kind of say, well, I, I want my preferences to be the top priority. Yet when, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I recognize maybe not everyone here is a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, and you're just here investigating spiritual things, and maybe someone invited you, can I just tell you, I, I'm just so proud of you for being here. I know it takes courage coming to a new place, and I hope, I, here's my prayer for you, here's our prayer for you, that somewhere along the line, you would allow yourself some room to investigate who this Jesus is and that somewhere he might actually surprise you and meet you in a way that will revolutionize and transform your life. And that may be a long journey to get there, but it's okay. It's your, your first step being here for that, and that's awesome. And I'm proud of you for being that. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, I think it's easy to forget about the mission that Jesus gave us. And so I want to be real clear about that. So when you survey through the scriptures, what you really begin to see is there's a couple places where if you were to look at the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, you would say, as a church, we would go, you know, those are the main things. And here's what we want. We want to keep the main thing the main thing, right? And not let non-essential things become, or kind of rise up to a status where they begin to choke out the main thing. So they begin to overshadow some of those main things. And so a couple different places in scripture we'll read about the great commandment 
and the Great Commission. You may have heard it called that. Uh, it, it's in uh, all, a couple different places in the Gospels. This Great Commandment is that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. And as you fulfill the Great Commission, which is to go into all the world and to take this message of Jesus, you're to do that in the context of Great Commandment love, meaning love. Like, that's a big deal to Jesus. And so much so that he demonstrated it long before you ever loved him, he loved you. And he said, this is the kind of life that you're to live. And he calls us to have a great commandment kind of love as we live out the great commission of kind of helping people see about Jesus and understand. Uh, so if you're looking at this idea of Matthew 28, here's where we see the great commission. Jesus saying to his early followers, hey, as you go, as you live life, I want you to focus on this. He says, he came to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying, look, I got it all. You want to know who's in control? It's me, Jesus is saying. All authority and power on heaven and earth was given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the ends of the earth, and the ends of the age. Often, we forget about this challenge. And we end up trying to write our own story. And we have a great commission. Jesus, here's my commission. I want to have an awesome family. I want to have an awesome job. I want to have an awesome little, little neck of the woods that I get to have control over. I want to speak into that. And listen, those are great things. I don't want you not to have those things. I want you to have them. But when your pursuit of those things becomes more than the pursuit of the challenge that Jesus said to you as a follower of him. Now, this is if you're a follower of him. He said, I want you to go, and, and I want you to make disciples of all nations, meaning I want your life to be focused on mission more than preference. And sometimes in the American church, if we're just honest, we allow our preferences to be elevated over the mission. And friends, as a church, and therefore as Christ followers individually, we can't allow that. We can't make it about our preferences over Jesus' mission. And so we want to live with a mission mindset. And so I just challenge you this year to live with a mission mindset. What does that look like? I don't know. Other than it's living with a mindset that said it's not about you. It's not always just about you. It's about Jesus' heart for people. What we celebrate at Christmas is that he is Emmanuel. We just sang about it. That he came and he is with us. He is God with us. That's the very first chapter of Matthew. You fast forward to Matthew 18 and it talks about this idea that wherever two or three are gathered, I am with you, Jesus said. You fast forward to the end, what we just read, Matthew 28, wherever you go to the ends of the age, I am with you. And he is speaking not just, okay, when you gather to worship, but as you go on mission, I'm with you. I have all the authority. I have all the power. I know the people that you're bumping into, and I love them, and I care about them, and I want them to be in relationship with me, and so I want to leverage your life as you go. The word disciple is what we're enfolded into. The word disciple is, is kind of like apprentice. It's probably the best word to put to it. It's this idea of uh, to make disciples is to make apprentices, meaning you are always a pupil. You're always one who is learning. You're not learning just to know more about God. You're learning to help make God known. 
You're learning to grow in your own faith and beginning to own your faith and walk this out that we begin all be all the time learners. As soon as you become a Christian, you are now a disciple of Jesus. You're an apprentice of him. What Jesus wants is a generation of followers who are so saturated in his thinking, his worldview, and his orientation that when they are integrated into culture, the culture will live with the influence of Jesus because it permeates from the people who are followers of Jesus. You want to make a difference. You want to have an impact. I know you. You do. Well, and that's not just about writing your own story. It's being enfolded into the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus. It's a much larger story than just the one you can create and the one that you can write. And so I just want to encourage you again, uh, the whole month of January, starting next week, David and I are going to be teaching through the gospel. It's bigger and better than you thought it was. And it's helping all of us understand what that means. What is the Jesus story really about? Is it just praying a prayer so you go to heaven when you die? That's a part of it. But it's a part. It's not the whole thing. And the gospel is much bigger and better than you thought. And as you give your life to that, that's what being a disciple is. It's orienting your whole life around Jesus and the way he lived so that it becomes more and more the way you live. And it becomes more and more the way that shapes your decision making, shapes your influence of how you see life. Jesus said in Luke 19, I have come to seek and save the lost. That's his mission. It's people that you bump into and that you rub shoulders with throughout life who are maybe not connected into relationship with him yet. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. All nations is literally in Greek, this ethne. It's where we get the Greek word, where we get our regular word of uh, ethnicity or ethnic. The people groups of the world, the language groups of the world, the racial groups of the world, that means the church is to be the most inclusive place on the planet. That's a challenge for us. It's an invitation for us to live this out. Access for any and for all. Because Jesus is for any and for all. And he is for people to come into relationship with him. We've been enfolded in to live on mission. I love how Paul, I'm just summarizing part of the verses here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is what he writes. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, to intercede on their behalf. This is good and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message of God that gave to the world at just the right time. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus, Emmanuel, has come. The message of God, he has good news, and he is a savior, and he is a savior for any and all who will look to him as such. In your life, my life, we get to be a walking billboard, if you will, to advertise that when we live on mission. And so, Kind of commit your life to say, I want to live with a mission mindset. Doesn't mean you can't have preferences. Doesn't mean you can't have wishes and wants and can't pursue those. You can. But they are secondary things to the primary thing that we're to live out this mission. That's our role to play. The most powerful invitations are always relational, right? You get an advertisement in the mail, what do you usually do? You file it, right? Not in a drawer, in the trash, right? 
but you get an invitation from someone you love and someone you know at work and it catches your eye because you have a relationship. What if we just ask God to leverage our relationships that we have? God, would you leverage the relationships I've had that you have blessed me with that I might point people toward Jesus in the way I talk, in the way I live, the way I interact with them? Would you help me to be an encouragement to them that they might come to know that I'm rescued? And as you live out your rescued story, here's the reality. Rescued people help rescue people. That's the truth. And that's when you live with a mission mindset. And so one mission, it's not just all about you. You're enfolded into a greater story as a follower of Jesus. So live on mission for him. Uh, one word. Uh, we did this last year uh, with a group here, and we kind of challenged ourselves to say, what would it look like to have one word that you're going to focus on for all of 2020? Uh, we did it for 2019. What would be? What would it look like? And I, I told you I chose the word wisdom. I felt like that was God, what God was calling me to, and, and so I spent the whole year kind of trying to focus on that, read about that, understand that, see scriptures, and what the ha scripture has to say about wisdom, try to learn and try to pray through that. What would it look like for you to take this time between now and next Sunday and just ask God to show you what your word is for 2020? Some of you, this is be really easy because you've already felt like God keeps putting a word in front of you or in front of your mind uh, over the last few weeks and, and you're just be like, man, I think that's my word. I think what you want is a God word, not just a good word. You want God to kind of show you, hey, here's the word I want to use to help shape you and encourage you and to challenge you. And so what would it look like for you to take a week and to think about it? We have a, a sheet for you to take. There's a couple here in the stage piles. There's one in the foyer too. Uh, it just has a list of words. If you try to read this as a sentence, it won't make any sense because it's just words. Here's the encouragement. Take it this week. Just read over it. Circle one or two or three or four words that make sense to you. Turn it, write it on the back, and just pray. God, what's my word for 2020? What would be the word that you want me to focus on and what you want to challenge me with and that you want to keep in front of my mind? Because as I do that, as I focus on that, as you speak into me about that, you might begin to shape some characteristics and some uh, part of my heart. You might encourage me to let go of some things or to grab hold of some other things. And then as you find that word, just tell somebody. Tell a friend, hey, here's my word for 2020. Would you just ask about that like in three months? Because it would be so easy in America. It's so easy for you and for me to go, hey, that's my word. And maybe you make it all the way through January. Then you're like, oh, I accomplished that. I'm done. I need a new word now. No, no. You're going to sit with that for a year. You're going to mine that a little bit, not just try to get through it. And so ask God to show you what's that word that maybe would be your word to begin to help you live that way. So we're going to live on mission, one mission, God's mission first and foremost. We're going to focus on one word. And then lastly, this one practice. What would be one spiritual practice that you'd like to have greater experience in and with in 2020? Uh, what's fascinating is when you study the life of Jesus and the early followers who were following him, do you know what they actually practiced doing? What they saw Jesus do. What? Yeah, see, it wasn't just, I'm going to learn more about what Jesus is teaching. I'm actually going to practice what he's saying. 
I'm going to obey, not just learn and bank up a whole bunch of knowledge. I'm actually going to lean into it and live this out. So I'll, I'll skip a couple of verses, a couple of slides ahead. You think down to, uh, um, to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Listen to this. We skip over this so much. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's a verse you'll find if you go to Luke 15 or Luke 5, 16, you'll see it. And we read over that and go, well, that's cool for Jesus. Listen, if Jesus, the Son of God, fully divine, if he needed this habit, this practice, this rhythm in life, uh, let me just remind you, you are not him. And neither am I. And if he needed this rhythm, then maybe, just maybe, we do too. I've been sitting with this one more the last two or three years, just trying to live this. We live in a, a noisy, crazy, calendar-filled life. Anyone with me? Do you know how hard it was a few years ago to start this rhythm, to actually just sit and be quiet? Do you ever find yourself having so many conversations within your own head that you lose track of all the voices? And you lose track of all the arguments we've won? Or you lose track of all the incentives and things that you've thought about that you go, oh, I gotta go do that, I gotta write that down. If, if we would just learn, okay, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He prayed to his Father. If he needs that rhythm, what would it look like for me to, to try to carve that rhythm into my life more? Does that mean I have to say no to things? Yes. No, yes, yeah. You have to say no to things in order to say yes to the right things. And so sometimes it's just a matter of saying, I'm gonna carve out some time to just sit and pray, uh, to sit and be still, to sit and not have a conversation. That's hard for a pastor to do to not talk. But I'm telling you, it, God's used that in those moments and those times to shape me and to change me and to chisel away at me at the things that I needed to let go of and the parts of my character and my, that he needed to chip away at. And I would have never have learned that if I didn't try to practice what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 11. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I, I'm meek and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. We, we have a hard time understanding that in its full context because we're not farmers. Uh, you go buy your vegetables and fruits at the store. But what Jesus is literally teaching when he said this to a farming agriculture kind of community back in the first century, they understood what he meant that it was this actual yoke that you would put over top of oxen or donkeys and they would be yoked together and pulling in the same direction. Here's what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke upon you, like saddle up next to me and we are gonna live your life together. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I want you to live it more the way I'm gonna lead you and we're gonna do this together. That's the illustration. That's the picture of what Jesus is saying because that's what a disciple does. They begin to orient their whole life around Jesus and begin to be his apprentice. I love Dallas Willard says this, a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life 
is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. And that a disciple is a person who's going to decide that the most important thing in their whole life is that they're going to learn to do what Jesus said to do. They're going to live this out. The greatest issue, Dallas says this, facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will actually become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven into every corner of human existence. That we would begin to live out what Jesus has said and what he taught. Not just learn more, and I know it, and I can maybe recall it, but actually do it and begin to live this out, begin to live with this idea that we often talk about this as spiritual disciplines, so to speak, or spiritual habits or spiritual practices. So two of the most pronounced writers about spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices is Dallas Willard and Richard Foster. Dallas writes this, kind of puts a list, if you want to take a picture of it, you can, the list of spiritual disciplines, disciplines of abstinence, disciplines of engagement. This idea of here's some things that you're to make a pattern of your life. If you see this in the life of Jesus, how can you begin to live this out? Richard Foster wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline years ago, and he framed it into these, the inward disciplines, meditation, I'm meditating on scripture. It's what the psalmist says, I meditate on your word day and night. I'm not just trying to, to remember it for a moment. I'm trying to ingrain it into me. I'm not just reading to get through it. I'm reading and meditating so it actually gets through me. And it changes me. Uh, prayer, fasting, study, the outward discipline, simplicity, solitude. Solitude, man, that's hard in our culture. Submission, or serving, meaning it's not all about you. You serve other people. You put them first. You value them above yourself. Corporate disciplines of confession and worship and guidance and celebration. I love what Richard Foster says. He says this, The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Friends, I think what made people so in awe and amazed by Jesus is not just that he was intelligent. He is. Not just that he was gifted and talented, he is, but that he had a depth to him that most of us never find. And what if we're meant to be deeper people? And so practicing, finding one practice, hey, is it prayer? Is it this idea of I want to be more more intentional about my prayer life or more intentional about reading scripture. Uh, for some of you, you, you like the idea of reading the Bible has been so foreign to you. Can I just invite you that what if it wasn't? What if you actually had an opportunity to read it for yourself and to let the Spirit of God kind of show you some things through it as you experience that? If you've never downloaded the, the YouVersion Bible app, I want to encourage you to get it. You just type in YouVersion in your app store, download it. It's got thousands of plans. In fact, one of those plans is called the One Word Plan. It's five days long, meaning between now and next Sunday, you could actually read that plan for five days in a row and maybe help discover your one word for 2020. 
as you pray through that. So the focus again is, hey, one mission, it's God's mission above all other things. I wanna stay focused on that. I wanna stay focused on my one word. God, would you give me a word to focus on for this year? And just ask him, spend some time this week. And then one practice. What is one practice, spiritual practice, that you would like to have more experience in so that you can look at yourself at the end of 2020 and be able to look back and see the depth of what Jesus did in your heart because you actually just practiced some of these things that we see in the life of Jesus. And so think through it this week and begin to pray into it and ask him. I think this is my, one of my favorite weeks of the whole year because it's an opportunity, it's a time to say, look, I, I want to think back over the 2019 and what God did in and for me. I want to thank him for that with gratitude. I want to dream into 2020. And so what would it look like to live with a mission mindset, to find a word for you, your word, not just a good word, but a God word, where you feel like God's saying, this is your word. And then one practice that you want to engage in a little bit more. And so as we kind of create some space and time in the rest of the service, we're gonna take communion here in a moment. As a follower of Jesus, you are invited to the table. We've got tables in the back and the forward. We invite you to kind of take some time and some space to think back over Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. If you've said yes to him, then partake in that. If you just wanna sit and think about, hey, what is my word? What would be one practice? What would be it look like to live with this one mission mindset? That's fine. Be still and just pray through that as we worship here in a moment. Use these moments to pray and ask God to show you what would be that word? What would be that practice? Seize this next 10, 15 minutes. Say, God, I, wanna, I really want to do this. I'm not even sure exactly how to do this. Would you show me? Would you lead me in that? So, Father, that's what we pray for. We pray as we begin uh, into a, a new year here in a couple days. God, we look back over 2019, and for many of us, this was a, a good year. And we see your activity, and we see your, um, your heart chasing after us, encouraging us, ministering to us. And we're grateful for that. God, for some, this has been a challenging year. You're looking forward to turning the calendar page into a new year, to a fresh start. Father, I ask that you would minister and meet them in a special way. Would your comfort and your peace meet us, encourage us? God, we want to live with a, a mission mindset, kind of living out and pursuing your mission above our own and what we can try to create and what we can try to write. We thank you that it was Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. He lived on mission for me. And I want to learn to get better at living on mission for him. God, for many of us, we're looking for a word. Would you show us, Holy Spirit? Maybe it's a word we've bumped into recently that you want to bring to our mind again. Maybe it's something we're going to experience or read even this week. We hear from you. Would you give us a word you'd like us to focus on? Would you show us a practice? that we'd like to put deeper roots into, get more experience with, of trying to live the way Jesus lived. Not just knowing what he said, but practicing what he did and how he lived. So as we take communion, as we worship, would you use these minutes for your spirit to stir our hearts afresh and anew?